Hey guys, it's David. Welcome to Sadness Town. This is the 15th episode of the Sadness Town podcast recorded Saturday, March 28th at the Triangle House in Washington, D.C. My guest on this episode is Pete Bergen, who's a very funny D.C.-based improviser and comedian and a very honest person. I think we learned a lot about Pete on this episode and really got a good sense for... uh, for what makes that guy tick. I had a really good time. Um, A little light on plugs this month. I don't quite have the date or uh, venue nailed down for the next live recording, Um, but if you follow the show on Facebook, uh, or if you just keep an eye on the website, uh, just watch that space for the next episode. I do want to say that if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I'm going to be headlining a stand-up show at the Wonderland Ballroom, On April 24th, that's a Friday night, Uh, it's called Don't Block the Box, and it's going to be me headlining and a couple of other comics who are just some of my favorites in D.C. Uh, So if you only don't miss one show that I do, uh, make it that one. Um, Beyond that, you know what, I think we should just get into it. Pete's a really funny guy, and I really enjoyed this conversation with him. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to Sadness Town. How are you feeling tonight? We are recording this live from the Triangle House in Washington, D.C. on this blustery, unseasonably cold March evening. Uh, As always, I will open with a reading of the Sadness Town Charter. Item number one, this is a safe space. We're here to celebrate the fact that although being alive is a cruel and difficult thing, we're all much better at it than we used to be. Item number two. You were not cool in high school. You were a tragic, awkward car wreck of a human being, and so was everybody else. Pretensions to the contrary will not be tolerated. Item number three. At the end of the show, everybody hugs. No exceptions. So this opening song is called I'm Not Okay, parentheses I Promise. It's by a band called My Chemical Romance. This is off their 2004 album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Uh, This this song peaked at number 86 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, The album received four stars from allmusic.com, who uh, quoted a line from the liner notes, which described the album as... The story of a man, a woman, and the corpses of a thousand evil men. <laughs> so this was uh, My Chemical Romance's second album. Their first album was called, uh, it was like, You Gave Me Your Bullets, I Gave You My Love, I think is what it was called. Real wordy. Uh, but that was a concept album about vampires. And then this one is a concept album, I think he's a hitman or something. And then they followed this one up with the uh, Welcome to the Black Parade or whatever that shit was, where, where it's like someone dies and then he has to be in a parade forever or something. I don't, I'm not clear on it. Um, I really got into this band in about the 10th grade. I saw them open for a couple of equally shitty bands. Uh, and they... I don't hate this much as intellectually I know that I should, you know? Uh, that first shit was like inarguably terrible but this one they added some queen like there are like some brian may rip off guitar licks and stuff like that and it's like it's got a big sound uh and and listen to his passion there's just a there's just a 16 year old david twighty crying in every fiber of this song are songs made of fiber? I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm going to introduce my guest now. Uh, th- this guy is a, a comedian and an improviser. It can be seen all over the D.C. area, and he's also performed with Recovery Comedy. Please welcome Pete Bergen, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, David. How you doing, Pete? I feel good. I love this house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, let that bleed a little bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, first early faux pas. Uh, were you aware of this band or were they? <laughs> did my Chemical they, Romance? Yeah, did they crack the uh, the uh, 16 year old? like In, the 80, in 1986? No, no. I mean, like, 
when they came out. Like, I don't expect you to have heard them out of space and time at, a, <laughs> at an appropriate age. I just, like, maybe you heard this at a Target or something. What, what, I, I don't know, it sounds like a lot of other songs. It, so, it uh, does have that going for something it. Something you would hear in the credits of, a, like, a movie or oh, something. Oh, yeah, like they actually did. <laughs> at the end of the Watchmen movie, in the end credits, there's a My Chemical Romance cover of uh, Desolation Row by Bob Dylan, and it's probably the most offensive thing I've ever heard in my life. Is that one of those bands where a lot of their songs sound alike? Uh, oh, most definitely. Oh, yeah, it, it seems like it sounds like Yeah, it. like how much can you expand? Like when you get it right like that, like right. why, why would, you, stray why from would that? you fuck with a formula like okay. that? Yeah. Uh, the lead singer of this band, actually, a gentleman by the name of Gerard Way, is a, a bit of a Renaissance man. Uh, he also uh, penned and illustrated a limited run comic book series called The Umbrella Academy, uh, in which an extraterrestrial being named the Monocle rounds up a handful of troubled young superheroes, uh, and then they do some... Sh- I don't know. I only read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia page. Uh, but yeah, he, he looks like... A, he looks something like a cross between Robert Smith from The Cure and like a cartoon squirrel. Tough, tough, tough hand to be dealt. Yeah, yeah, it's like a little bit of each. Uh, but God, yeah, you can see where all that pain comes from. Like, yeah. Plus, if you're writing, I'm a goth rodent. Right, no one you're, understands you're writing, me. Like those that read comic books, like and 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 have hard opinions on comic books, like would know. not have shat on the movie The Watchmen by somehow slashing Desolation Row down to three minutes and then playing it very loud and very fast. That. Yeah, that makes sense. Take this epic song, slash four verses from it. Speed it up, yeah. scream. Yeah. You, you literally, congratulations, you have done... Like, you're the one band that I know has done something my band was capable of in high school. It's like a Rage Against the Machine cover of Amazing Grace. (laughs) I would listen to that, actually. I would probably, like... (laughs) Yeah, it gets real political. I don't know. I didn't realize we were so harsh on Native Americans in Amazing Grace. T'was Reagan that taught me how to fear. And Bush didn't relieve it. I don't know. Uh, so, Pete, wh- where did you grow up? Uh, pretty much northern Virginia, just, just outside of D.C. and Alexandria. That's, those were my middle and high school years. Okay, so yeah. when did you, uh, what year did you graduate from high school? 1988. Okay. Height of Reagan, Bush. Oh, man, yeah. A lot of political theory, man. A lot of repressed political theory. Not at my house. There was just like one political theory. Is you know. Yeah. My dad was a Marine Corps colonel, so there was uh, okay. There's a lot of hard opinions. So were you were you at all aware of like all the awesome shit that was happening in D.C. at that time period? Not like, at all. No, no, no. Damn, dude. It was uh, like Fugazi was playing. Like, yeah, that was that was way too for cool five dollars, like a mile away from your house. Apparently, I actually went to high school with Dave Grohl too. So, what? Uh, yeah. I you did. apparently did? Well, I mean, we, we didn't travel in the same circles unless he was one of the people, like, flicking my ear and telling me that I smelled. But uh, He went, seems nice. I don't think he'd do that. I don't, well, you know, it was high school, and the only thing that makes you feel good in high school is making the person next to you feel like crap. I mean, yeah, that's true of a lot of life, actually. Yeah. Like, that's true of every office situation I've ever worked in. It's, I mean, it's it's physical, it's emotional. Like overweight people find somebody more overweight to lay next oh, to yeah, on the yeah. beach. So you can go, I'm think I'm bad. Look at him. Uh, yeah, yeah, you want to you want to dominate by comparison. That's always crucial. Uh, I didn't. I was just checking the recorder. It seemed like I was leaning into it. Like you're gonna want to know this. Um. Yeah, so you wanna you wanna get right into this? Let's let yeah, let's uh, take a trip down a horrible time. <laughs> That's the new tagline of the show: <laughs> a trip down a horrible time. Mm. Yes. <laughs> There's just something about '80s drums, you know. 
This song is called I Wanna Be Your Man. And I did. It's by Roger. His name's Roger Troutman, but he just goes by Roger. Uh, it's like Cher. Yeah, he was in Zap. Uh, this is off the 1987 album Unlimited! Exclamation point. Uh, this song peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. This album received three stars from AllMusic.com, who said the vocoder, the vocoder craze. Do you know how hard that word is to say? The vocoder crazed leader of Zap has made numerous uh, solo albums, but this is the best. This is the best. I, I, I mean, if you just listen to it, I mean, every. Everybody had an unrequited crush at some point. There are songs, like, I think this uh, beat is, like, on par with, like, I don't know, like, Sloop John B. Like, like, some really classic songs. It's just hypnotic. You can't listen to this and not feel relaxed. It's, it's nice, but it's... There's some pleading going on too. Yeah, that's true. There's pain. Yeah. There's pain. There's emotion. That's where good. This, this next line didn't ring true. Not sealed with a wedding ring. Not at uh, 17. Um. So what? <laughs> how old were you when you got into this? Uh, this was. I think I was a junior in high school, so I was probably 17. 17. Uh-huh. 17. Um. And I did. I'm just I gonna to let make, you go through whatever you're I, going through. I just through wanted right to now. make. I had a big crush on a girl, and I really wanted. Uh, obviously, I wanted to be her man. Um, and coincidentally, uh, she has the same birthday as me, which I didn't know at the time. But God bless Facebook. Uh, it comes up every day, every every year on May 10th that Jill and I share a birthday. That's very nice. Is that how you met? Was it at a convention for people with that birthday? No, it's just that uh, we met like in that she was really popular and pretty and I would just conveniently place myself. I would be late for classes as I would try to manipulate my way through the halls and pass her, make eye contact and not say anything. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that didn't work out. It didn't work out. I, uh, I, uh, my big move was to uh, record this one song on like a 60-minute Maxell cassette tape and shove it in her wall locker, or in her locker for school, and then never address it. Uh, until like weeks later, I passed her in the hall, and I very sheepishly said, uh, Jill, did you get that tape I left you? And I'm sure she just said, oh, that was you. But what I heard was, that was you. Uh, and I just went <laughs> and walked away. Uh, oh, hell. So that set me back a little bit. Yeah. It didn't work out between us. We Man. never took off as a couple. <laughs> you can't do shit like that. That shit don't work in real life. It doesn't. It's uh, Maybe if I had, like... Put it in there with a note saying this is from me or or something. Oh, you didn't just, even. No, I just dropped it. In, I dropped the tape. I shoved it through the vents so it fell. So she opened her locker and there was a cassette tape in there. Just an unmarked cassette. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that yeah, that was a clumsy move. I think like uh, you, you should. But you were just like, I'm gonna affect your life. I just thought like maybe it would create some buzz and like the word would get out. Like somebody put a tape in Jill's locker. Oh, Who could it God, be? But it's probably dude. like. Some weirdo put a tape in Joe's <laughs> yeah. locker and didn't claim it. Uh, oh, man. So I was lacking in confidence. At Did time. you try standing on her lawn with a boombox? <laughs> put a mask on so man. she couldn't tell who it was? Yeah, John Cusack ruined that move for a lot of people. So <laughs> Really? Did it just become, it was like all, it was a classic move. And then Anybody John, who was thinking about doing it, like, couldn't do it after John And then Cusack, Cusack yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Plus, I can't wear a trench coat. Like, it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. He's wearing a trench coat. Yeah, and it was balmy, too. Like it, it was unseasonably warm. I no think, one like, wants that. No one wants a man with a coat on their lawn playing. Hey, Phil honey, Collins. Inspector Gadget's out there playing some music. So, I mean, I think if there's a guy in a long coat on your lawn, uh, 
Inspector Gadget is the best case scenario. <laughs> like, I would be psyched about that. I'd be like, all right. Let's see some stuff here. I, I mean, I don't really care, but you're a very famous fictional character. And <laughs> you can do cool stuff. And I might get a good story out of this. I don't know. Hey, have you heard David's Inspector Gadget story? Yeah, he came out, hung out on my lawn. <laughs> But he was, he was holding a, bo- a boom box up. That was cool. And then he was holding it really high. Up. Yeah, it was like way up. Yeah, it was holding it all the way up to my window. It was fantastic. And it wasn't Phil Collins. It was a Slayer. But, it, <laughs> but then I talked to him for a while. He was a cool guy. Um, yeah. Just telling you, there's something about 80s drums. That's generous to call them drums. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) Do you want some backstory on this one, or do you want to let's let this play? Obviously, everyone knows this is Friends. (laughs) Yeah, this song is is called Friends by Houdini. Uh, But the first part of Houdini is spelled like who's on first. Do you get it? Uh, It's off their album Escape, which came out in 1984. Uh, Peaked at number 87 on the Billboard Hot 100. Allmusic.com gave this four and a half stars, saying it has vivid lyrics and a little too much inside information. I don't know what that means. You wouldn't. The lyrics of this song are amazing. It is amazing, and this was this was a, a very tough time for me. I was uh, when I was in, in middle school, I was a pretty popular and precocious lad, and then there was a seemingly. To me, anyway, not a big deal incident. Uh, and then the tide started to turn to the point where I was not a popular kid, and I was the uh, subject of a club called the I Hate Pete Bergen Club. What? Uh, yeah. So they formed a team what? against they you. They formed a club. They had a president, a vice president, which is good because you want structure. But then they also had a secretary treasurer, and I was like, "How much? What are you trying? How much?" How, are you trying to get money behind this? Or, like, are you doing car washes? Like, I thought it was, like, it was like, even in eighth grade, I thought it was, like, a, a like a disproportionate level of organization. Just some, like, <laughs> some audacious young conservative forming man, his own it was, political it was action 80s, committee. It was the 80s, so that was the, the spirit of it. But, uh... Well, you know how, like, all the unions and all the all the political parties and stuff are born out of, like, something real specific? Maybe. Right. What if that, like... What if that they like moved past their I hate Pete Bergen roots, but kept the name just because it was now right, like a recognizable? <laughs> they, uh, and the, the, the president, vice president, but they're still yeah, they're still contributing to campaigns all over the country. Today. They, um, <laughs> Whichever policies they think will most negatively affect you, they vote for. Yeah, my uh, the, the officers were my former best friends, so that is some officers. damaging, damaging. Can we curse? Um, um, oh yeah, that was some damaging shit uh, to uh, an eighth grader. Nobody's listening. I'm going to from the top of the middle school social pyramid, which is a big deal and a cool place to be. Uh-huh. Uh, and well, kids are—they smell chum in the water. They're like, "Wait a minute, there's an opening." Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on here. So this, this song is a friend. How many of us have them? Uh, not this guy. Uh, so. Like, middle school is the period that that epitomizes what you were saying before about, like, the only way to not feel like shit is to make someone else feel like shit. That's, like, literally the only move you have in your arsenal because everything's confusing. You're stupid. Everything's changed all of there's a sudden. There's hair, there's boobs, there's, like, so many things going on. So, yeah, and it was... Uh, and the thing is, like, I work with kids during the day, and this, like, it carries over and, like... I would say in a negative way because I work with theater kids and if I if all things are equal the good looking popular kid is gonna have to work fucking harder because right or wrong I'm usually wrong like I just don't think they've suffered yeah like I think like the awkward the awkward kid is always gonna get my favor and be put in a better position to succeed not that I'm openly trying to trip up the good looking popular kid uh but uh it is. Uh, it was. Uh, a, it was like a complete 180. It had my parents very confused. I went 
I went like almost an entire school year in eighth grade without talking to anybody like in school. Uh, and they were very confused. And I gravitated towards the African American community. They seemed receptive. I was okay. I was that guy. Dave Chappelle talks about the one white guy yeah. in the group. That was me. Uh, and there were clothes and a manner of Wait, speaking. so what did you do to earn your spot? I didn't do... Well, I mean, I really gravitated towards hip-hop music. I was also... And please remember, this is the early to mid-80s. There was, there was breakdancing. Uh, did you breakdance? I, I did. I wasn't what? bad at it. Yeah. Oh, shit, dude. So uh, there was that. And You uh, weren't bad at it. What is I that? I wasn't bad. You know, I could, I could, I could handle myself on you the ever, floor. You ever do any head spins? Never did any head spins. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, those are dangerous. They are actually outlawing those now because of the concussion-like symptoms that many... Uh, well, there was also that urban legend that Alfonso Ribeiro, who played the Michael Jackson protege in the prominent Pepsi commercial of the day, broke his neck spinning on his head and died. Uh, which, of course, didn't happen because we all saw him in Silver Spoons and in Fresh Prince uh, and in the seminal classic film, Tick, uh, where he played a gangster horribly missed. This is, this is... <laughs> This is Carlton, if anyone yeah, knows. Yeah, he played. I it. like that you just like snuck Fresh Prince in in the middle, yeah. like anyone knows him from anything else. Right. Uh, that was encyclopedic, though. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. Uh, if you're home and bored and have access to marijuana, find the movie Tick, uh, where uh, the, the 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 least likely person to play a gangster in Alfonso Rivera did. Uh, <laughs> they were attacked by giant ticks on a retreat in the woods. Uh, oh Alright, this, so awesome. this sounds worth, <laughs> worth a Netflixin'. Yeah, it's, look into that. So, yeah, the, 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 the Houdini song, uh, as a lot of hip-hop did, uh, early hip-hop did back then, uh, kind of I enjoyed it. And then when they were sort of rapping about friends, I was well, like, oh man, that, that, that I mean, would be cool. All this that. song is is listing different things that friends are. And then like the right. and th that's the first verse is like friends are good, friends are nice. Right. And, and then I was like, No, they're not. Uh, and the the, the, the the incident that I speak friends of Friends help you move maybe once or twice. Right. The, 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 the incident, which a uh, little psychology one on one uh, if you've heard me uh, in comedy, I talk a lot about my recovery. I've been to rehab, all that other stuff. But it was in at the end of seventh grade, there was a, a get together, and there was beer being served. And I took, I said no, and took like a hard preachy stance against drinking. Yeah. Uh, and that led to it snowballed into you know that club. And then of course I wind up going to rehab for like drugs and alcohol. So I made damn sure that was never going to happen again. Uh, some scars never heal, David. I believe you. To be in the fool, you like to be with some because they're funny. Others come around when they need some money. Yeah, it's uh, all these friends, all these friends that they rap about. I would have killed for any of them back then. Like, I just didn't have the second verse of this song is like, <laughs> it's like he, he's like he meets a girl, they hit it off. They have a relationship, it ends, and then at the end he's like, she wasn't my friend. <laughs> the song was like essentially my dream life. Like any one of these friends he raps about, I would have loved to have had. <laughs> Alright, we're going to move to the next one. Oh, this, this is the... The percussion on this entire episode so far has just been outrageous. Uh, this is Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with Full Force. It took three acts to make this song. Uh, this song is called I Wonder If I Take You Home. Uh, this song peaked at number 34 on Billboard Hot 100. It is on the album Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam with Full Force. Which came out in 1985. Uh, Allmusic.com gave this three stars, saying, Her voice has the perfect mix of uncertainty, irony, and edge. Which are the main things you look for in a, in a lead singer? Um, yeah, but if you. This is when videos were still very, uh, very prominent. Yeah. Uh, actually, almost novel. Um, and I had a certain specific taste in women. 
I had an early age that has carried over to my spouse. And uh, short and curvy was kind of my wheelhouse back then, and she was Short both. and curvy was kind of my wheelhouse. <laughs> and she was both of those. Plus, like... Uh, um, Sounds like a Philip K. Dick novel. <laughs> she was she was just hot, and this is uh, at an age where like you know you're exploring your body and you're looking for inspiration. Uh, you're exploring. She, I'm sorry, man. Your your words are killing me. <laughs> uh, exploring your body and looking for inspiration. And Lisa Lisa was very inspirational. Also, full force. The backup band later uh, made more famous in the house party movies with Kid and Play. I think they were in their 30s, and they played their rough and tumble nemesis uh, as high school. Like they were like as as in most films, but they were like grossly miscast as high school kids. They were like super jacked up, like 30 year old dudes <laughs> tormenting Kid and or Play uh, most of the movie. Oh so. yeah, and sometimes both, right? Yeah, sometimes both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. Uh, they were a rough bunch, but if you watch the video, it's great because, I mean, obviously the '80s fashion is atrocious, but they—they're uh, like super, like ripped jack up, and like their move is to always like gyrate their hips. They're—they're very—they're very, they're very sure. sexy guys. Move number one. Yes, yeah. the first page of the book. Uh, Get up there and gyrate, son. Uh, and of course, she's like, I wonder if I'll take you home. Like gyrate, like they'll kill your mother if you don't. <laughs> Uh, so basically, the song was memorable to me because uh, I jerked off to Lisa Lisa uh, more than a few times. More so, than a few. Yeah. So, uh, but the, the thing is, like, fewer than a gross. Well, no, 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 no. Much. Well, more than gross. But the, uh, <laughs> the thing is, like, now these days, I like to have a bit of plausibility when I explore myself. Uh, that was not the case back then. Like, I couldn't imagine a scenario where I would run into Lisa Lisa. Yeah. And things would happen. Right. That would end with me inside her. Yeah, like, <laughs> so. maybe if I figure out what hotel she's staying at, right. ambush and just, her in the street. Maybe put a, maybe put a tape put in. Put a tape yeah. in, yeah. So, uh, Go to the front desk and uh, and give it to the... But don't tell them who I am. Could you give this to <laughs> Miss Lisa? Uh, but don't say who I am or, or anything like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you should have taken a shot at it anyway. I should have. Uh, uh, she was attractive, and that's why this song... Uh, Oh, she's a good singer. Uh, let's just keep it rolling. Now we're talking. You want to talk political? I want everybody in the house. That's Flavor Flav, people. Yo, Chuck, kick it to him, man. A ballad behind bars, or you could say real rock from the rock. An unusual musical happening in a most unusual place. I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it. It said they were suckers. They want to be for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said This is Public Enemy with Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos. This is off of the classic 1988 album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Uh, this song peaked at number 11 on Billboard's Hot Rap Singles. Uh, this album received five stars from AllMusic.com, goddamn right, who said that, uh, who said it's a record that rewrote the rules of what hip-hop could do. Um, yeah, this shit is awesome. I, uh, this is something that I heard, and they had an earlier album, uh, which I really, really liked, uh, but this one, when this, this one came out, this wasn't even the most, like, popular or mainstream song on the album, but, like, I heard this one, and it was, like, First off, Chuck D's voice is fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, and as somebody who was definitely, this is like full on hip hop heat. Um, I really resented when when NWA came out. I was like full on like New York East Coast rap. I totally got the East Coast West Coast thing. Uh, uh, I mean, I really like NWA too. No, 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 I appreciate them now, but at the time I was like, come on, man! Like this is a, this is our thing, ours. Ours. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was like, it was such like a, a, a militant song, and in the video, like Eric B is in it with him, and it's like, it's just so angry, and it's got that steady beat, and like, I was an angry kid at this point, and it was just like, like, the government didn't want me for their army or whatever, but uh, uh, 
I don't know, just just the beat and just the the tone of it. And I always took pride in the, the fact that, like, the, I knew this was like, you know, when you hear something cool and you try to get your friends to co-sign on it, that it's cool. Like, I didn't even give a shit. Like, this is something I knew was cool at the time, and it was like the first time I felt like I was ahead of the curve on cool. Yeah. Um, uh. Wow. Uh. I mean. This uh, like yeah, this song is awesome. The this piano sample kicks ass. Uh, but yeah, this stuff has aged so well. I think like I feel like there's a like the the same kind of anger that there is like uh, in a lot of the country now is the same sort of thing that was going on like the tail end of the Reagan years. Like oh, if Public Enemy like came out with a new album today, it would it would hit. So hard. That's like why he scores Spike's movies, and like he he hits a tone that, even though it's coming from the black perspective, it's like it's universal. Like you hear it, and you're just like, that uh, makes sense. Run the <laughs> Run the Jewels are doing that now. If you've heard them, at all. Not. oh man, yeah, it's they they have two albums, and the last one is a fucking masterpiece. But it's in the same sort of vein. Like it's really politically angry. Uh, it's very focused. Like it's uh, not it's not like. And I definitely wanted to be like S1W, like it was my job. The S1Ws were their security force, okay. and like their backup. They did like a, a, a step show, like while they were performing, uh, and they wore like army fatigues and all this other stuff. And I guess they guess they were just did so they have, bad. Did they have white ones? Do they have white fatigues? No, did they have white They did not. No, no, they, they, uh, they, I would not have been appreciated. That feels like it would have been confusing. Yeah, it would have it sent a just... mixed message. Like, diversity, sure, maybe not on stage. Just the one yeah. guy, just this guy. Yeah. Um, uh, it would have been just like my circle of friends at, I in mean, middle school. You would have officially been the scariest white person yeah, in the I would, world. Oh, you had yeah. been the one that was allowed onto their team. Absolutely. In the uh, coolest way possible. But yeah, that really pissed people off when they did that. Um, yeah. Some people got very upset. Uh, and that's how you know you're doing something right. right. Absolutely. Yeah, man. It shook things up. And it was, uh, I mean, Fight the Powers, they're like, it's probably voted like the greatest hip hop song ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this was it for me. And I, come on, are you kidding me? Blowing up prisons and shit? Uh... Yeah, uh, it was the S1W. I guess 1W saved the day. <laughs> They're just sending them in. They got their team going in. Yeah. That's what they should have had them do. They should have had those guys like out saving babies from fires and stuff. That they should have, really but like they had to everybody. kill like COs in prison because they were wrongfully in prison. It's hard to it's hard to make a threatening hip hop song about rescuing babies, I suppose. Uh, Chuck could do it. I don't know. This I like the song because it seemed like and maybe this is in hindsight, but like somebody was trying to keep them down and they weren't having it. So maybe maybe that was just the tone that kind of came through for me. But it was it was just badass to me, and I felt like a cool person for recognizing that it was cool uh, at the time. Yeah, I don't know what the first thing I was on the ground floor of was. But this is at the time when hair bands were super popular. Uh, um, but, you know, they, they had their day, but, like, this was a complete 180. Uh, yeah, it's, like... That shit has not aged. Some of it, some of it's still okay. But like, can you name more than? I mean, you grew up then, but like, I couldn't name more than one song from most of those bands. I like, think, I think they're gonna get backlash too. Like, I don't think a lot of them we'll, go like. We'll, we'll get to it yeah. soon. Okay. Again, the drums. <laughs> Just let it wash over you. <laughs> This is Chris DeBerg with Lady in Red. This is off his 1986 album, Into the Light. This song peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. I'd have thought this was a number one for sure. Uh, This album received three stars from AllMusic.com, who said, uh, in this song, DeBerg's sincere flattery of his lover is exquisitely sung. Uh, so this was his eighth album, but I defy anyone to name another song by Chris DeBerg. (laughs) 
that was the craziest thing. And I was like, it's the eighth studio album by Krista. What the? Which is at least eighty songs. Yeah. <laughs> really? You just, yeah, and, but God bless him for his persistence, because like, this song is like in every third bar scene in a movie or something. Like, it. Ugh. There was a story. Uh, um, Europe had a song um, called "The Final Countdown." And uh, they would open and Absolutely. close every concert they did with that song. Like I that, they were from, yeah. were they Swedish or Finnish? They better have been from Europe. They were from Europe. <laughs> they were definitely Scandinavian of yeah. some stripe. But yeah, they uh, yeah just keep cashing those Arrested Development checks from <laughs> Europe. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that is a very good song too. But I. Uh, I, I love this one. I still associate it with the with the movie American Psycho. Oh uh, yeah, that that one like really imprinted a lot of '80s songs on my brain. How old were you when you got into this one? Uh, I was a junior or senior in high school, and it was really nothing. Then uh, I went to a formal, uh, probably prom. I think. It, it oh, was. exactly. Yeah, the prom scene. That's um, what I meant. And I went with a girl named Dana Hensley, and my tux was white. Shout out to Dana. Cum- and I had a red cummerbund. And she had this lovely red dress with a white sash. And we looked amazing. But for the fact that prior to prom, I went uh, to my parents' lake house to get some sun. Because I was wearing a white tux and I wanted some contrast. Um, um, and I got some sun blisters. Some people call them herbies. Uh, so I had sores on my lips, oh. um, which kind of cut into any shot, which I, I'm convinced it wouldn't have happened anyway. But I really, really liked uh, Dana. This was like my rebound after Jill ignoring me. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I had to rebound from the nothing that happened with that other person. Um, and we went to the dance and... Uh, <laughs> Dressed as peppermint. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, the photos look great, um, but that was it. We didn't even we didn't even leave together. Uh, and then when the pictures came in, and those were that was a process. Then it wasn't they weren't posted online. Uh, were, there was hard copy photos, and I would this song would come on, and I would look at the lady in red and the photos, and just ponder what if. Um, and then jerk off to Lisa Lisa. <laughs> That's good. You want to counterbalance the jerking off with some like sincere emotional reflection. It's like I'm having a deep moment that I'm just like, eh, fuck it. Uh, uh, and then the, the go to town on myself. Got away. <laughs> Where's well, the that's ocean? probably enough of that. <laughs> Is gonna put on this music video, yeah, yeah, and lock the door. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Get the hell out of here. Ah. Uh. Not if you're gonna do that. This is Prince (laughs) with the beautiful ones. This is off his 1984 album Purple Rain, one of the greatest albums of all time. This song or this album was a number one on the the Billboard 100. Uh, This album received five stars from AllMusic.com who called it a stunning statement of purpose that remains one of the most exciting rock and roll albums ever recorded. Shit, yeah, man. Uh, I, uh, every song on this album is perfect. Yeah, that's a, a great way to put it. This is probably one of the least popular commercially, I would think. Where, where did song, it reach on the... Did it, did it even chart, or that, was it released as a single at I don't all? think this one was released as a single. Yeah. Um, but every song on the album could have been. Like, that's how crazy... It's just like... I think it's more of a pop album than a rock and roll album in a lot of parts, but, like, it's, it's fucking great all the um, way through. 
It is. And this this is memorable for a couple reasons. Obviously, when this came out, it was the the heyday of the I Hate Pete Bergen Club, um, which I came to associate as uh, organized, orchestrated, run by, uh, at least the, at the upper levels, was organized by uh, the beautiful people. Um, so I made that connection. The more I think about this scenario, like, I'm a... Uh, I, uh... I kind of envy that. Like, I think that would be really cool to have an organization that was bent on destroying you, like with a whole pyramid structure. To be in, to be in the, to be the subject of it, or to yeah. be. Well, maybe it, it would make me feel so powerful. Ah, uh, not at fourteen. No, <laughs> no, I'm saying, no, I'm saying, if someone wants to do that to me now, fucking bring it on. Yeah, I wanna, now as an adult, sure. I want a syndicate with my, with my ill fortune on their minds. I want to take those fuckers on, yeah. like Sherlock Holmes and shit. But the, the other reason that this is memorable is because I was like a very dramatic and theatrical kid. Like I used to really implore my parents to let me take dance lessons. Uh, I wanted to do theater, but I didn't have the... That would have been weird. Not that I was uh, not a weird kid anyway, but um, my dad was a Marine Corps colonel and, and, and dance was off the table. Uh, I, I pleaded for it just enough to really make him wonder. Um, and he always is like, no, go play sports with dudes and shower, which is much more gay to me uh-huh. than, uh, than dancing. Um, this last line here, Tom. This line right here, which I'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I could choreograph in my head and in my room any number of songs. So I was, uh, I had this very overwrought interpretation to this song that I was in the middle of right now. And if you can hear the pain and the, and the, the angst in Prince's voice, that's where I was at, blasting this song in my room and singing it. And then I look up and Colonel Bergen's in the doorway uh, looking at me, equal parts disappointment and fear. Uh, and I thought I was going to be sent to straight camp. Uh, um, but as my wife says, I'm I'm just gay enough. Uh, that's how my, what my, how my wife refers to me. So, yeah? Uh, yeah. Th- that's, a, that's a very cute thing to say about someone. Yeah, yeah. So, so what does that mean? That means that I she appreciates my affinity and comfort level with the fact that I love musical theater. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, uh, do you appreciate that I go tanning, or do you, or do you just tolerate that? <laughs> it's embarrassing. So that is, I wouldn't have said that yeah. on a recording. <laughs> I certainly uh, would not. Yeah. Have. So uh, that was a great tune, though. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's still a little bit of it left, but. Uh... Oh. Ah, it's like we're in a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> this is Def Leppard with Pour Some Sugar On Me. Or a Five Guys Burgers and Fries. It, it to me. This is off their 1987 album, Hysteria. Uh, this peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, this album received five stars from allmusic.com. They were high in the 80s. Who called this a playfully silly anthem. This is about a guy who wants someone to pour sugar on him. Um, I didn't get the context, uh, or, or the, the lyrically it didn't really come to me, but... It's so uh, funny, like, I think what happened, you know what I think... They, the wave crested on butt rock because uh, they just ran out of cute metaphors for fucking. <laughs> like when Warren did cherry pie, everyone was like, God damn it, why did I think of that? What the fuck? Come on. There was like a limited supply and it depleted itself. Uh, like, Ted, Ted, like Ted Nugent does cat scratch fever. It's like, okay, pussy is just gone. Done. Uh... We can't use that anymore. <laughs> How many others? I mean, some of them, at some point, they got like, like hot for teacher. And it's just like, it's that's just, not even subtle. Yeah, the yeah. song is just called, I want to fuck, fuck that lady teacher. right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Talk about an inspirational Listen, video, too. Yeah, was, uh, yeah. And who doesn't remember Warren's other song, uh, Hey, you, let's let's do it right now. <laughs> On the floor, I don't give a fuck. Right. That was and a then hit. in parentheses, I don't care if your parents are coming home. <laughs> That one was a little too wordy to catch on with a mainstream audience. It warrant remains a one-hit one. It was big underground, though. It was a big underground hit. I can't imagine that, uh, like, if I can't imagine that there is an album with this on it and also anything else. I can't believe that's a five-star album. Allmusic.com is very generous at times. I don't Five know. stars. I might take it upon myself to listen to the whole thing. Just this to was see what huge. The fuck Beach Week. About. Beach Week. Oh my god, this was huge, and we were all devastated when the drummer lost his arm in that car accident. So we saw that he right. could still do oh, it. Oh yeah, that was a real. I'm sure that was a real moment for your generation. News, yeah. But he's overcome. He's a very inspiring story. Good for him. The one-armed drummer. It's who like just that surfer. Kept on rocking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't get out of bed in these morning. These people are accomplishing great things with one arm. I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. Great's generous. I don't know if yeah. being the drummer of Def Leppard is, like, really doing the world a great service, but uh, I, uh, he's still pursuing his dreams, and that's great. As a kid who, who loved... Why am I so condescending to the drummer of Def Leppard? He's, a, he's got more money than I do. As a kid who was into hip hop, this it wasn't that I loved this song, but uh, as so many of these stories are, it, it involved a girl. And uh, in my high school, there was a sorority, which even in high school, I thought, what a shitty way to reinforce the haves and have nots uh, in high school. Because, of course, the girls in the sorority were generally pretty unpopular. And. Uh, um, they wore their letters. And I'm sorry, they had a sorority at your high school? In a public high school. What the fuck? Yeah, I thought, even even then, I was like, this is fucked up. They're like, uh, yeah. So they allowed both, so it's no wonder they allowed the formation of an anti-you group. An anti-person They seem to be very yeah. permissive about the right to assemble. Suicide? What's that? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was, so it, the, the, the alphas... Uh, put on a winter formal, which double. Was it, were, I'm sorry, was there a fraternity too? There was not. The Greek system did not no, it extend didn't to branch the... into the male community. What the fuck? That's uh, ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And the Sadie and Hawkins then, dance that they put on was invitation only. So, in case you didn't feel like shit enough for not being in the sorority, you also might not get an invite that 90% of the uh, female students covering Mount Vernon and West Potomac High School got invited to. So unbelievable. So I was a week. It was a week out from their uh, winter formal, and I had not been asked, and I had resigned myself to that fact. And uh, at a party, I met a girl, and we made out, and she asked me to go, and I was like, "Man, this is awesome! My <laughs> friends were going. I will go." She was very '80s hot, big hair, um, and then I told her like, "Who are you going with?" I'm like, "I'm going with Stubby," and her name was Stephanie, but everyone called her Stubby, uh, and everyone's like. Oh, she's a she's a fast girl. You might you might you're gonna get laid, and you might as well have told me you're gonna go to the fucking moon uh, at that point. Like, um, but like, if someone had told you that, you would have been very excited. Right? I would have been excited, but it's just as plausible. So we uh, we double dated with a couple of her friends. Uh, she showed up. She had like a beautiful like black and gold sequin dress. Uh, it was so man. You hot. have an excellent memory about um, uh, garments. I had a photo. It was inspirational. And oh right, uh, you're looking through your photo right. box, so, uh, warming up to jerk off. Right. So with some uh, wistful glances at an old photo. Um, and we went. And as you did back then, I don't know if people still do it, but you get a hotel room for all the raucous partying and hot sex you're going to have after the dance. Oh yeah. Uh, so we double dated with some friends of hers. <laughs> High who school were, sex, the yeah. hottest kind. <laughs> Followed with an apology. How about, <laughs> hey, you think regular sex is good? How about no one knows where anything goes? How about something really fast and painful? Uh, so we doubled that's with the some... Weird thing about, that's the weird thing about all the, like, barely, barely legal stuff is, like, yeah... No one's better at fucking right. than children. <laughs> Ouch means keep going. Uh, yeah. So um, we checked in prior to the dance, and the people we were doubling with uh, 
uh, were having a domestic dispute. They were a long-time couple, and they excused themselves. So it was just me and this girl in the hotel room, and she excused herself, and she came out of the hotel room like in just like her pantyhose and her bra and said something like, maybe we should pass on the dance. And I literally went, <laughs> I'll wait outside. Uh, and then I left, and I didn't have sex for two more years. Uh, uh, totally choked. I couldn't believe that happened to me. Um, I tried, like, after the dance to, like, it's like, here's the greatest thing you'll ever have in life. Uh, and I said, mm, fuck that. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing nearly that extreme, but I definitely just blew it a couple times real early. Like, you just don't know what you're doing. I like, couldn't imagine that was happening uh, at the time. I couldn't uh, get over how embarrassing it was to, t like, let anyone know that you were attracted to them. Uh, I was super attracted. Um, and it's all I wanted in life at that time. And then it was offered to me. And I, I ran. I don't know if I ran, like, like into a run. But I... <laughs> It was a brisk <laughs> exit. It was a brisk. <laughs> and then I'm, so then I'm just in the hallway of the hotel going, what the fuck just happened? Uh, Dive out a window. <laughs> I don't know what was going through her mind. Like She's like, hey, you want to fuck? And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> just leave. Uh, I think I tried to like spark jump it up. out of the hotel. Yeah, it, was yeah. just, uh, it was... It was had to join the army and go away to Panama to have sex. Um, so. Wow, buried the lead on this one. <laughs> uh, that wasn't my mission. That's not that's... why I joined the army. Uh, it just worked out that way. Um, <laughs> well, I'd love to talk about your Panama adventure, uh, but I think... I think we've covered it, man. I think we've gotten the Pete Bergen experience and... Uh, we're all ready to uh, to donate money to that club. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Pete Bergen, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, Pete, do you have anything to plug? Where can people see you? Where can they find you? Uh, I'll have a website, PeteBergen.com. I also produce a series of shows, usually improv, but sometimes stand-up, um, under the name of Chinese Menu Comedy. Uh, that has a Facebook page under the same name and a website. Uh, shows are posted on there. Uh, and the next thing I have on the books is I'm um, co-headlining a show with Ryan Nesser and Timonium at High Tops on Sunday. Uh, sometime, I think the last Sunday in April Okay, uh, is the next time I'm going to be. This will definitely jokes. come out before then. So, uh, well, cool. Thanks for having me. It was, yeah, uh, sure, fun. man. Uh, and as always, like the show on Facebook at Sadness Town with David Twighty. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Give the show five stars. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TwightPrivilege. Stand updates and future podcast recordings on my website, davidtwitey.com. That's T V E I T E. Uh, and remember, nothing is going to be okay. Scatman's world.